If you got your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we will be in verses 4 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 11, we'll be here today, and we'll be here, uh, we'll stay in this, these few verses next week um, as, as well. The, the title of our lesson this morning is The Manifestation of the Spirit. The Manifestation of the Spirit. Now, I mentioned last week as we began this chapter that the church at Corinth had a real problem. Um, and the problem was probably, they had a lot of problems, uh, as we've seen since January. But uh, one of the problems that they had, which was a very big problem, was the abuse and the misuse of their uh, spiritual gifts. In fact, it was such a, a big problem that uh, Paul was going to write for three chapters dealing with this particular issue. And last week, we saw that as he began in the first three verses, he laid out an overriding rule, um, kind of a, a rule of thumb that we can apply to really to everything, but especially to spiritual gifts. And that is you always judge things by how they relate to Jesus Christ. Do, they, do these gifts that we're using, the things that we're doing, are they lifting up Jesus as God, are they glorifying Him in that way? Or are they promoting a different Jesus? Do they promote a different, you know, they may call Him Jesus, but is it a different Jesus than is presented by the, by the Bible? And that's kind of an overriding rule that we really, to be honest with you, should apply to everything in our, in our life. Now in today's passage, he's going to continue that thought, as we'll see a little bit, earlier, a little bit later. But before we examine the passage, I want to start with just a few thoughts on, on spiritual gifts and, and what they mean. If you, if you sat down in the Bible and you just started reading through the New Testament, so you started in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you got to Acts, and you got to, finally got to, to Romans, the first place that you would see the word or the phrase spiritual gifts used is in Romans 1. That's the first place you would ever, you would ever run into this, to this phrase or this term. And it's specifically in verses 11 through 12. Paul says this, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, that translation, impart to you some spiritual gift, is a little misleading because it almost sounds like Paul's like, Paul says, hey, I want to give you some spiritual gift. But we know that's not what he means, because man doesn't give spiritual gifts. Who gives the spiritual gifts? God does, the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul will tell us today in verse 11, it is the Spirit who apportions to each one as he wills. It's the Spirit who gives spiritual gifts. So we, don't, we know Paul doesn't mean, I want to give you a, a spiritual gift. The text actually means, when you go back and look at the Greek, the text actually means he wants to give them the benefit of a spiritual gift. In fact, he wants to give them the benefit of his own spiritual gift. And what is the benefit? He says, I, I want to impart to you or share with you some spiritual gift. And we actually see in that verse there's two reasons or two benefits of spiritual gifts that Paul gives. Let's look at that again. He says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Here's the first benefit, to strengthen you. Okay, that's the first one. And then he's, he rephrases it. He says, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. 
So the first thing that we learn, if you're just reading through the Bible, the very first thing we learn about spiritual gifts is they are to be used to strengthen others. Okay, and, and of course, this has nothing to do with physical strength, right? He's talking about strengthening their faith. And in fact, we know this because he uses the same phrase in his letter to the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 3.2, Paul says this, We sent Timothy, our brother and servant in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen you, what? In your faith, and to exhort you that no one be moved by these afflictions. So to strengthen someone by a spiritual gift means to help their faith not give way when trouble enters their life. We want to strengthen their faith in such a way so that when trouble comes, they can stand. It doesn't, it doesn't blow them away. It doesn't sink their ship. They're able, they're able to stay strong even in times of, of trouble. So what we learn is this. We have spiritual gifts in order to help other people keep the faith and withstand life storms. Okay, I, I found this picture of these people sandbagging or, or around the house. And that picture kind of struck a nerve with me is that, you know, if you, took, if, you, if you take someone's faith as a picture of that house and there's a storm coming, there's a flood coming, and, and we want to help them, our spiritual gifts are, are what we, it, it's a way to strengthen that house, to strengthen uh, that person's faith so they can withstand the effects of the storm that's, that's coming against them. And we'll talk more about that even, even next week. So the question I would ask this morning, is there someone that you know? It could be a family member, it could be a co-worker, it could be a friend. Is there someone that you know whose faith is being threatened in any way at all? They're going through a storm of life. If it is, then you need to look at yourself. You need to look within yourself and ask yourself a question. Do I have a spiritual gift particularly suited to strengthen this person's faith? Because that's one of the reasons that we have spiritual gifts is to strengthen other people's faith. So we literally should always be on the lookout. Is there someone that needs their faith strengthened? Is there someone? And then look, do I have a way to do that? Everybody with me? That, I mean, that's, that is so crucial as we'll see as we go through this. And here's why I bring this up. Because I don't want us to make the mistake that I think too many Christians make. See, I think too many Christians, when you start talking about spiritual gifts, I think too many Christians spend way too much try time trying to label their spiritual gift before they use it. Okay, let me say that again. I think Christians spend way too much time trying to label the gift, figure out what the gift is, before they actually go and, and use them. I, I did a quick search, and I, I always ask, how many of you have ever taken one of these tests, the spiritual gifts? Raise your hand so people can... Raise your hand high. Raise your hand high, Peggy. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. Now, you go out on the Internet, and they got these spiritual gift tests, and, it, and the idea is for you to be able to find your spiritual gift. Now, I'm not saying those are necessarily bad things. That's not what I'm saying. But I want to do, do want to give you a piece of advice. Stop worrying about whether you can label your gift and say mine is prophecy or teaching or wisdom or administration or helps or service or encouragement. Stop trying to worry about labeling it and say that's mine. That's the completely wrong way to think. Okay, The way to think is this. Is there somebody around here whose faith is in jeopardy? Let me go help them. 
That's the way to think. Quit worrying about labeling the gift and say, this is my gift. Just find somebody that needs help. Go do what you think is most helpful. And I will tell you, if you'll start doing that, you'll find your spiritual gift. Think about that picture that I had up there. If you walked up on a situation where a flood was coming up on a house, and a bunch of you get there and there's a crowd of people, and they're all one, and some of them over there are, are unpacking sandbags out of the boxes, and other people are, are filling the sandbags, and other people are stacking the sandbags, and other people are, are getting water, and other people over here are giving orders. If you walk up there and you see all this going on, what should you do? Huh? Yeah, just, I mean, should you sit there and say, hmm, you know, I wonder, I wonder if my gift is to fill the sandbags. No, no, I don't think so. Let me go, let me go get on the internet and take a test. No, folks, you, you just, you start helping, right? You just start helping. If you look over there and you see, hey, can I help fill these sandbags? Yeah. Well, you know what? You may start filling sandbags and you re- may realize pretty quickly, man, this ain't my, I'm not any good at this at all. Or maybe you start filling sandbags, filling sandbags and you look up and you realize, man, this thing is completely disorganized. And so you go over and say, hey, I, I think there's a better way to do this. And you realize, man, I might have the gift of administration. But you don't wait to figure out what the gift is. But just get in there and start doing. And in the doing, you'll find your gift. You'll find what you're good at. But we spend way too much time trying to figure out what it is instead of just looking for people that need help and then jumping in and helping. And yes, you'll probably try to help in ways sometimes and you'll figure out, I'm not very good at that. But there's going to come a time where you jump in to try to help in a certain way and you're going to realize, man, i got a real... That's, I'm good at that. That was easy. And in fact, I think one of the things you'll find about your spiritual gift is you're energized to do it. And we'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit later. If we're going to get hung up on something, don't get hung up on naming your gifts. If you've got to get hung up on something, get hung up on this. Are you doing what you can to strengthen other people's faith? Yes or no? That's what you need to get hung up on. Forget the naming Forget the list. Forget all that. Am I, am I even looking for people that need help? And see, in fact, I believe that not knowing your gift is not our problem. The biggest problem we have is most of us lack the desire to help strengthen other people's faith. There's just, we just go through life and we're not even looking for other people. Does that, does that make any sense to y'all? You see, if you don't have that underlying, if you've got an underlying desire to help strengthen people's faith, then the fact is the Holy Spirit will lead you to your gift. But if you've got no desire to even help people, you're just going through your life and it's all about me and my issues and my problems, trust me, you'll spend the rest of your life trying to track down a gift because what, what good is it going to do you? The, the thing that we're lacking mostly, I think, as Christians is the desire to strengthen other people's faith. In fact, let's, let's face it, human nature, and we'd all agree on this, human nature is much more prone to tear down than it is to build up. Is it not? That's the easy road. If you just go through life, it's almost like, you know, we say this with children, you don't have to teach children to be good. I'm sorry, take that back. You don't have to teach children to be bad. I knew I, something was wrong when that came out. You don't have to teach children to be bad. They, that's just natural for them, right? You've got to teach them to be good. Well, what's natural for us as human beings is to tear down. 
That's the easy road. If you just go the natural way, you'll gossip and you'll gripe and you'll complain and, and you'll, you'll just, you'll, you'll wreak chaos. That's, that's natural, right? That, that's, the, that's the broad road. There's a lot of people on, on that road. But to build someone up, to edify someone, to strengthen someone, folks, that's the narrow road, right? That road's not very crowded, right? That's the road we need to be on. And that takes effort. That takes work. That takes looking around and seeing who needs help. It takes, you know, it's, it's, it, we don't just fall into that. You don't fall into that naturally. We need to become the type of people who wake up in the morning and we pray like this, Lord, I want to strengthen somebody's faith today. Somewhere, somehow, today, put somebody in my path that I can strengthen their, their faith. We go through the day looking to serve, looking to help, looking to strengthen. But our problem is too many of us don't do that. That's our underlying basic issue. So, and, and by the way, when you really think about this, when you become that type of person, if you really were the type of person that got up every day and you want, Lord, please put somebody in my path today that, that I can strengthen their faith. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit will not let that go to waste. He will, he will make, when you become that type of person, He'll find ways, give you opportunities to, to, use, to strengthen other people's faith. And in that doing so, and in those opportunities, you'll find your gift. You'll find what you're good at. You'll find what the Holy Spirit has, has gifted you with. So our real, our real issue this morning, I think, is that underlying desire to strengthen other people's faith. So I just, as we begin the study of these chapters on spiritual gifts, I, I just want to pray that, that we become that type of people. I don't want to go through this study, and it's going to be a fair, it's going to be fair few weeks that we're in it, so I don't want to go through this and come out of here. We can come out of here knowing everything there is to know about spiritual gifts, and it won't do you one bit of good if you don't have a desire to strengthen other people's faith. That's what we need foundationally is a desire to strengthen other people's faith. Then the Holy Spirit will endow us with our gifts, reveal us our, our gifts to us, and then we can find and walk in those gifts. Now, I said earlier there were two important things that you learn in that verse in Romans 1. The first thing I said was spiritual gifts are to strengthen the faith of other people. The second thing that we learn is this. And watch what he says, number two. In fact, he rephrases it. He says that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Okay? Now, Paul didn't change the subject. He just rephrased it in a different way. He says one of the purposes of a spiritual gift is to strengthen the faith of someone else. But another purpose is, is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Now, what that tells us is this. A spiritual gift is an express... Now, this is very important. It's not going to sound important when I say it, but it's very important. A spiritual gift is an expression of faith which aims to strengthen someone's faith. Now, let me explain what I mean by this. In fact, first let me rephrase it a different way. A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively, either in word or deed, there are doing gifts and there are speaking gifts, but he, he, it expresses our faith effectively for the strengthening of someone else's faith. Now, why is that so important? Well, it's important to think about spiritual gifts this way because it keeps us from equating a spiritual gift with a natural ability or a talent. Okay? 
I'm going to give you an example. I know a lot of, a lot of people that are, are unbelievers. And I can tell you some of them have wonderful abilities to teach. I've got someone in my mind that I work with is a great teacher. He's a great communicator. He ain't no more saved than that chair. But he is a, he's got a wonderful talent to teach. I know uh, some other people that uh, have this gift of administration or a talent of administration, ability to administrate. I mean, you, you need a project done, you put them in charge, and they'll get it across the finish line. They'll whip everybody into shape, and they'll coordinate it, and you do this, and you do that, and you're going to have it done by this time, and they'll, they'll get that thing done. They are, they are really, really good at that kind of thing. And by the way, those are natural abilities, and they're God-given, are they not? They, don't, they may not realize it, that those are God-given talents, but they are. But those are not spiritual gifts, folks. You understand that? If you're an unbeliever, you can be the best math teacher in the world. You can have a, 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 the, just a natural a talent or a natural ability to teach. That is not a spiritual gift. Why? Because they're not expressions of faith, and their aim is not to strengthen faith. Okay? That's the important part there. See, the Spirit, listen to me, the Spirit always flows through faith. There's a couple uh, scriptures I'll point out to you. Jesus goes into Nazareth, his hometown. And it says this in, in, in Matthew 13, 58. And he did not, and some of, the, some of the translations says he could not do many miracles there in his hometown. Why? Because they didn't have faith. Now, did Jesus suddenly lose his power? Yes or no? No, of course. He could have done anything he wanted to. But see, the, 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 the God, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they choose to flow through faith. That's how they choose to operate. And if there's no faith, they don't, they don't, they don't move. They don't operate. See, he didn't change. God didn't lose his power. But he, he couldn't do it or wouldn't do it because there was a lack of faith. In Galatians 3.5, Paul writes this to the church at Galatia. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and, and does what? Works miracles. He says this, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Okay, and the, and, and the question there, if you go back and look in context, he's saying it's all about faith. The miracles are being done because you've got faith. In Nazareth, they weren't being done because they didn't have faith. You see, the Holy Spirit always flows through faith. Therefore, no matter what abilities you have, if you're not putting your faith in God and relying on Him for those abilities, then it's just a talent, not a spiritual gift. It's not spiritual because it doesn't come from faith and it doesn't flow to faith. Everybody with me? It's just a talent. You can be a teacher. You can have a talent for singing. You can have a talent for helping or a talent for administration. Okay, But if, it doesn't, if it's not coming from your faith, you're putting your trust and faith in God to use that talent to strengthen the faith of others. It's just an ability. It's not a, it's not a spiritual gift whatsoever. And see, this should have tremendous implications, especially within the church, how we choose our church staff, how we choose our officers, how we choose our elders, how we choose anybody who works in the church or, or operates in the church and represents Christ. It means we don't just ever ask, who has the skill to do that? That's not the question. Who could do that most efficiently? That's not the question. That's just a, They may have a natural talent. We always go beyond that 
and say, are they going to use their talent in such a way that it, it expresses their faith in God? Are they going to use that ability in such a way to strengthen the faith of others? Because if they're not, it's just, it's just an ability. It has nothing to do with a spiritual gift. So a church where the Holy Spirit is moving and, the church is, and, and a church where He's moving and where He's welcome will always be a church that is sensitive to the difference between a natural ability and a natural talent and a spiritual gift. One is just naturally, the other one is always coming from faith and trying to induce faith in others, okay? So that's, those are just a few thoughts I wanted to say this morning about spiritual gifts. So with all that said, let's step into today's passage. We'll read, first, we'll read verses 4 through 11. Paul is writing and he says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but it's the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kind of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, in this passage, Paul lists nine spiritual gifts. Okay? But this is not a complete list. Okay, now that's important too. In fact, there are other gifts denoted in Romans 12. There's another list he'll give later on in this same chapter. And then Ephesians 4.11. So I'll just give you these real quickly. In Romans 12, he gives another list of gifts. Service, teaching, exhortation or encouragement, contributing or giving, leading, and mercy. Those are the gifts that he, that, he, that he lists out in Romans 12. Later on in, in 1 Corinthians 12, in this same chapter, and later in the, in the verses, he'll say this, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. That's another list. In Ephesians 4, he says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's another list. Okay? Now, here's my question. If today, in fact, here's the thing. Today's passage is not a complete list of gifts. In fact, if you go read each one of those lists, none of them are a complete list. He never just sits down and says, these are all the gifts, and lists them all out. never does that. And, he, and today, and he gives nine of them today, there's actually 20, if you put them all together, and we'll talk about this next week, if you put them all together, there's 20. Okay, and, and that begs the question, well, you know, if they're never listed completely, are there more? That begs that question. We'll have to answer that question. We'll get to that next week. But if today's passage doesn't list all the gifts, what, what does that tell us? If Paul doesn't, if he's, if he's writing this letter and he lists nine of them, but he doesn't list all of them, what does that tell us? Well, I can tell you one thing it tells us is that giving us a complete list of gifts, that's not the point. That was never the point of this passage. See, yes, there is indeed a diversity of gifts, 
But what Paul wants us to see in this passage today is that there's only one giver who works through. His whole point today is not the gifts at all. His whole point is to point us to the Spirit. That's his whole point. The gifts are just a support, a, a supporting argument. He just lists nine of them. But they're just a way to support his main point, which is to point us to the Holy Spirit. You see, when we come to this passage, we tend to focus on the gifts. That's what interests us. That's what we want to know about. How do I know which one of those that I've got? But that's not Paul's point here at all. And since he, and by the way, since he doesn't give a detailed list, it's probable that the Corinthian church already knew about all these. That's why he didn't, he's not trying to teach us necessarily here about the gifts. They probably knew all about that. Well, his, he has a completely different point in mind, and that is to point us to the Spirit. See, what Paul is emphasizing is that in each of these gifts, it's by or through the exact same Spirit. And we, as we walk through these passages, we need to keep that in mind, that the focus here is the Holy Spirit. The focus is not the gifts, figuring out what gift you've got and how to use your... That's not the focus at all. The focus of these... these this passage says much more about the giver than it does about, about the gifts. Okay, now let's... In fact, with that said, let's go back and look at verses 4 through 6 one more time. Watch what he says. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same... What? Spirit. There are varieties of services. Your translation may say ministries, but it's the same what? Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay. Now, the first thing that Paul wants us to see with regard to these gifts, yes, there is a variety, but he wants us to see how they all connect back to the exact same source. It's all the same Spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God doing the work through the gifts, through the ministries, and through the activities. Now, I want to point something out about this verse. Don't, I, don't, I don't want you to... A lot of people misunderstand this verse. Don't think here that Paul is dividing gifts into three classes. That's not what he's doing. You'll miss the point if you think that. He's not saying these are gifts, these are ministries, and these are operations or, or activities. They're all gifts of the Spirit. In fact, you go look at some of the other lists, he'll specifically call out, for example, teaching as a gift. But if you're not careful, you, if you try to classify gifts, you'd say, well, teaching is probably more of a ministry, right? Or a service. That's not Paul's point here at all, okay? What Paul is doing is presenting them under three different aspects, okay? Here's what he wants us to see. Viewed in relationship to the Holy Spirit... They are gifts, right? The Spirit is the giver. It is He who is the immediate author of all the endowments. If you have a gift, He gives you that gift. It is the Spirit who does that. But viewed in relationship to the Lord Jesus, they're all different ways in which we minister to Him or serve Him. And viewed in relationship to God the Father, He is their operations. In other words, they are activities wrought by His power. Okay? For example, let's take teaching. Teaching is a gift of the Holy Spirit, is it not? Okay? But it is also a service to the Lord Jesus. It's a ministry to the Lord Jesus, but at the same time, it's an activity that is empowered by God the Father. 
Do y'all see that, what he's doing here? He's not trying to divide it into different... He's, he's saying this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a ministry or a service to the Lord Jesus, and it's empowered by, by God the Father. That's what he's trying to get across to us here. In fact, let's go back and read that again. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same Spirit who gives them. There are varieties of service, but it's the same Lord that we are all serving. And, it's, and there are varieties of activities but it's the same God who empowers them all in, in everyone. That's what he's saying right there. They're all gifts. We don't, we don't need to say, well, this is a gift, this is a ministry, this is an opportunity. No, they're all gifts. That's what Paul wants us to see. They just, they just relate to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in different ways. So they're all, they are each and all equally gifts of the Spirit. They're all ways of serving the Son, and they're all activities due to the power of the Father. And notice how here... Did you notice how Paul could have easily said, it's the same Spirit, it's the same Spirit, but he didn't. He said, it's the same Spirit, it's the same Lord, same God. See, even here, the doctrine of the Trinity is always under everything. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were cooperating at creation, they were cooperating at the cross, and now they're cooperating in the operations of the church. They each have a part to play in the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what Paul wants us to see. Now, more importantly today for our discussion, Paul wants to say one more thing. He says they are all manifestations of the Spirit, which I think is really the main point of this entire passage in verse 7. He says this, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, now I want to break that up into three phases and look at that verse. Okay, first of all he says, To each is given. Okay, well who is he talking about? Who are the each ones? Well, you've got to go back to last week. You remember last week in verse 3, Paul said this, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And what we saw that is, is no one speaking by the Spirit of God can ever say that Jesus was just a man. That He was just a man who was justly condemned on the cross. If you're speaking by the Spirit of God, you'll never say that. On the other hand, he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this last week. This is, this has nothing, the Bible clearly tells us that people can say Jesus is Lord and not mean it, right? Jesus said on that day, many will say to me, what? Lord, Lord. And He'll say to them, I, I don't even know who you are. I don't know who you are. What He's talking about here is something more than just saying it with our mouth. He's talking about believing it in our heart. Living it with our life. And He says you can't do that except through the Holy Spirit. So the essence of who the each ones are that Paul is talking about, the essence of what he's talking about is the Lordship of Jesus. The each ones of verse 7 are people who have ceased treating Jesus as a curse to be rejected and started treating Him as a Lord to follow. Okay, That's who, that's who the each ones are. Let me, let me back up for just a second and show you something here. The Holy Spirit's main job in this world is to what? Glorify Jesus. But Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will glorify me. It's His main job is to lift up Jesus, to draw people to Jesus, to glorify Jesus. Well, how does He do that? That's a, that's a good question, right? First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, We are all being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And then Romans 8.29 says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of who? His Son. 
See, one of the things the Holy Spirit is, is, do, is doing is he's, he's conforming us, He's transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. See, he, he glorifies Christ by changing people into the image of Christ. They become like Him in the way they think, in the way they feel, in the way they act. They become, the word Christians means what? Does anybody know? It means little Christ. It's like we say that the apple shouldn't fall far from the tree. We should look like Him and act like Him and think like Him and talk like Him. And that's, who we're, that's what we're supposed to be as Christians. We're conformed into His image. We're transformed into His image. And see, this is a work of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit's doing. It's one of the ways in which He glorifies Christ. But it only happens in people who have made Jesus Lord of their life. Okay? Not people who just say it, but people who actually believe it, who have submitted and committed to His Lordship. These are the people that Paul's talking about. These are the each ones. People who live with Jesus as Lord of their life. These are the only people who can manifest the Spirit. Right? Because they can't live with Jesus as Lord of their life without the Spirit. They have the Spirit. The Spirit is in them. He's changing them. He's conforming them. He's making Jesus Lord of their life in every aspect. These are the each ones. These are the people who can walk in the Spirit. These are the people who can live in the Spirit. These are the people who can display the Spirit. Because they're the only ones who have the Spirit. Okay, These are the each ones. Now, he says this, To these each ones, to the ones that have made Jesus Lord of their life, the manif- He is, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. What does that word manifestation mean, anybody? It means to show, to make known, to display. To each one, if you have made Jesus Lord of your life, then Paul says this, what has been given to you is the manifestation of the Spirit. He has given you ways to display the Spirit, to show the Spirit, to show the work of the Spirit. This is really what this passage is is all about. What Paul wants us to see is the gifts of the Spirit are displays of the Spirit, manifestations of the Spirit, making the Spirit known in our life. You see, one of the things the spiritual gifts do is they make God, who is invisible to the human eye, they make Him visible, they make Him known for others to see. I mean, think about this, the God of the universe becomes visible through you and me. And Paul said that is entirely the work of the Spirit. In fact, I'm going to go back through this, and I want you to watch really quickly in this verse. As I said earlier, we tend to grab these passages and think it's all about the gifts. But look at it one more time how I've highlighted this, these passages. What does it keep saying over and over again? Same Spirit, same Lord, same God, the Spirit, the Spirit, the same Spirit, the same Spirit, the one Spirit. It's just, he keeps pointing us back. It's all about the Spirit. Relying on the Spirit, looking to the Spirit, manifesting the Spirit over and over and over and over again. And of course, in verse 11, he goes on to say, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. See, it's the Spirit who is in focus here in this passage. He decides what the gifts are. He decides who has each gift. He, is, he decides how you're going to minister that gift. Are you going to do it in a, in a, in, to crowds of thousands of people? Or are you going to do it to one or two people at a time? He decides all that. 
He decides how effective it is. He decides in your gift, are you going to minister to 10 people in your lifetime or are you going to minister to 10 million? That's His business. You see, God has a glorious diversity in how He does things. And we should never expect it to be all according to our emphasis or our taste. Okay, Paul wants us to see that. It is the Spirit who is sovereign. It is the Spirit who is in us and around us, but He's also over us. It's the Spirit who fills us and embraces us, but He also rules over us. So the diversity of gifts, the diversity of ministries, the diversity of effectiveness is His doing. He is God. He is part of the Godhead and the Trinity. He makes those decisions. Finally, I want to look at the last part here. Paul says this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, this is what happens when God is displayed in individuals and in the church. Good comes to people. Don't miss that. That's the whole point here. We are to strengthen the faith of others. We are to be mutually encouraged by our faith, by the use of our gifts. It's all for the common good. You see, when God is displayed, that's good for people. It's good for people to see God manifested, to see the Holy Spirit manifested. So what we've seen so far is two things, and there's a wonderful truth in this this here. The Spirit gives gifts for two reasons, to manifest Himself in the lives of believers so that Jesus will be glorified, but He also does it to help us do good to each other in the church. Those are the two things we've seen so far today. Now there is an incredible truth in what we just said. What that says is the pursuit of God's glory. Remember, how do we glorify God? We talked about this a few weeks ago. We display His attributes in our life. Remember we talked about, the Bible says, the the moon and the stars and the universe display what? The glory of God. You walk outside at night and you look at that and think, man, I want to know that guy. I don't know who did that, but I want to know him. Right? See, people should look at our lives that way. They should meet you. And when they see you, they said, I don't know who made you like that, but I want to know him. We should glorify him in our life. But see, here's the thing. The pursuit of God's glory, manifesting or displaying the attributes of God in our life, and the pursuit of what is good for us and others are, t- are not two separate things. Okay? In, in other words, if you seek what is good for you and good for others, you will glorify God. On the other hand, if you seek to glorify God, you will do what's good for others and for yourself. They're one in the same... You're seeking the exact same thing. They're one in the same pursuit. In other words, if you want to do good for people, you manifest God to them. If you want to manifest God and make Him known, then you do good for people. Because that's the way He manifests Himself. That's the way He makes Himself known. What did Jesus say? They'll see your good works and... Glorify your Father who's in heaven. You want to glorify God? Seek what's good for you and seek what's good for others. You want want what's best for you and best for others? Glorify God. They're they're one and the same pursuit. You see, the church is the place where these two things come together. You see, there's a lot of people out there trying to do good for other people, but they leave God out of it. And in the end, they do a little bit of good, you know, but they're not accomplishing anything eternal. They're not accomplishing anything out of faith. The Spirit's not in that at all. It, it might make them feel better. It might, you know, clothe somebody or fill somebody's stomach for... And, and that's nothing wrong with that. 
but it's very limited in its scope. They're not doing no ultimate eternal good. On the other hand, and listen to me closely, some Christians try to experience God's manifestations alone. In other words, they, they try to display God. They won't display God in the church, but they don't do it in the context of an interdependent body. They don't do it with other people in mind. The gifts of the Spirit are for strengthening who? Others. That's what it's all about. It's about others. Go, we're going to study the gifts next week, and we're going to go through them. We're going to talk about each one of them. Over and over again, you see it again. It's all about others. It's about edifying her. It's about edifying him. It's about strengthening her. It's about strengthening him. It's got nothing to do really with me. Okay? But see, some people try to experience God, but they don't do it in the context of other people. And when you do that, you may have some ecstatic experiences, but you'll never see God as He really is. Why? Because He's the kind of God who manifests Himself for the common good. Not for, indiv- not for an individual's religious experience. Let me say that again. If you go through life trying to put God, put God on display, and it's all about you, you'll never know God. Because God wants, to, God wants to put Himself on display in the church for the good of others, not for you. Okay, That is a huge point. In fact, that's one of the things that was going on in Corinth. In Corinth, they didn't understand the use of spiritual gifts. They didn't understand that they were for strengthening others. For them, it was just all about them. How do they feel? How do they think? What do they want? And see, Paul says you're completely, you're completely off base with what you're doing. I want to close with this scripture, which is not in Corinthians, but this is a, if you want to talk about spiritual gifts, this should be the defining scripture on spiritual gifts. And if you want to make a note of this, this is 1 Peter 4, 10-11. It says this, As each has received a gift, minister it to what? One another, and go down and look in the yellow, that, all, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see, that's what we just said, right? Do good to others, and then God is glorified. That's what the gifts are all about. And by the way, the, the area in the green right there, that's all about faith. That's using your gift through faith. He says, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If you speak, let you then speak as the oracle of God. Speak as though you're speaking the words of God. And if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Same thing that Paul just said. It's God empowering everything that we do. He says, do it that way. Minister to one another. Do it from faith and through faith. And at the end, God will be glorified in everything that you do. That's what the use of spiritual gifts is all about. Let's pray.